Good evening, church. Today is January 17th, 2018, and guess what? The Brazos back in town, y'all. <laughs> it's, it's so timely that we're, we're going through this series about the Talmudim because, I mean, as we're studying and uh, the, the day that, that, that Buddy comes back, we're taking a look at everything we've learned. We're taking a look at uh, taking in. We're taking a look at uh, attaching yourself. We're taking a look at, at being lavished upon and modeling, like my brother Ben brought the word last this past Sunday. And then I take a look at the Brazos. Buddy, Kim, and Jules. Jules, where you at? You got shorter. I, I couldn't see you. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm looking at this and seeing just how much of a Talmudim Buddy is and his family is. Yeah. Listen to this. What was the first thing we learned? What, what was the first sermon? Take in. Take in. When you look at Buddy Brazo, did he not take in a call? Did he not take in the call that the Lord gave him? Talk about being attached. It was, a, it was a long distance attachment for a while there. But did he not attach himself to this church, to this body, to, to the pastors? That's two out of two, right? How about lavish? Did he not put himself in a position to be lavished on by the church, to be, to be lavished on by the men of God here? And by him doing that, I got to receive some of that lavishment. And we're not even going to talk about the jambalaya. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the jambalaya. So now what is he doing? He's modeling it. What was the call in, in, in Matthew 28? Go ye into all nations, preach the gospel, and teach them to obey. Is that not what's happening in Peru right now? In Coca Canyon? Ikat to Peru, right? That's the call. That's a Talmudim, and that's the, the models, that's the examples we see before us, church. Amen. So we have no excuses. <laughs> we have no excuses. All right. Y'all want to get in the Word? Yes. Let's get in the Word. Turn to Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. Hmm. It's crazy. Lavish, huh? <laughs> no. We there today. We here. We here. We right here. <laughs> All right. So when I take in the series, when I take in message from Brother Nick Arizina, we learned that you must abandon all pursuits and run after the call that God has given you in your life. Nothing else will fulfill. Nothing else will sustain, right? And attach my brother Justin Treaster to knock you upside the head, Treaster. We learned that you take all the dedication that you once had to the world, all the dedication that you once had to your pursuits, and you apply that to the kingdom. You give that to God as a, as a sweet savor and as a burnt offering to him. Amen. Lavish. Who said lavish earlier? Lavish. <laughs> lavish, we saw that Joshua was lavished on by the way of life that he saw Moses and Aaron live. Amen. He got to see the, the victories. He got to see some, some places that he could improve. And what did that lead to? That led, that led to them entering into the promised land. Yeah. He didn't take it all, but he brought them into the promised land. And model, we had once again my brother Abin Bola say that you must make right sacrifices. Somebody say that. Make right sacrifices. You must obey. You must demonstrate with direction from your pastors, from your leaders, from the Lord himself. You must exponentially grow because growth is required in the kingdom. 
and you must lead, church. So we find ourselves in Matthew 14. Let's see what's going on there. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves and five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They ate all they ate, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. That's amazing. So we see here that the Lord, the Lord gave his disciples a, 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 a order, a mandate. The people, they won't make it back to where they're going. Give them something to eat. But Lord, we don't have anything to eat. Now, in, in, in reading this and studying this, it blew my mind because it takes me back to a synoptic gospel. Mark 6. Turn to chapter Mark to the book Mark 6. Verse 7. Say there when you're there. So here we see, we see the Lord give the disciples a command, a mandate. Lord, we don't have it. But let's take a look at what happened in Mark 6, verse 7. Here it said, calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. You roll it. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. So these are the things that, that, that the Lord is lining out to them. These are his instructions. This, this is the way of life that he's called them to live. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. What happened, though? They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So what do we see here? With the mandate that the disciples, that that, that the Lord gave the disciples, he sent them out to work, to do the work. What happened? They got results. They cast out demons. They healed the sick. So when the Lord is telling them, Give them some bread. If he just sent me out to go and cast out demons and heal the sick, I'm pretty sure I could trust what he says, right? But something's stopping them. Something is like a a, a block in front of their path where they can't get to where he's trying to bring them to. It reminded me of something. So we are in in, in I, right? It's T-A-L-M-I, right? We're in the I, right? What did we learn this past Monday? In foundations, we learned about the, the three giants, right? Yeah. The, the sentence of Anik, right? Yeah. One of them, name in particular, though, is, is, is coming to mind. Tell me, to, tell my. Turn to Numbers 13. Now, I'm not saying tell my was a tell my dim, I'm just saying it sounded like it. <laughs> Numbers 13, verse 22. They went up through the Negev and came out to Hebron, where Ahiman. Shishai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had only built 
had only been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. That's pretty interesting if you got to catch that Monday night. Another place. You don't have to turn there. But the men who had gone up with him and said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devoured those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. Hmm. Tama. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, I wonder if he asked Talmai, did he look like a grasshopper when he said that, right? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. So, so, so what do we see here? They see a giant in their path. The Lord has, has, has promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his descendants would, would inhabit the land that he was standing. And they see that land. They're looking at that land. And Lord has called them to go into that land and take it, take possession of it. But they see something and it stops them dead in their tracks. That word Talmai, we learned from, from, from Pastor Eric, the, it, the, the Hebrews gave him a name, and, and Tama meant something akin to rose. When he, when he walked, it seemed like he made rose in the ground. Now, they get on me all the time about dragging my feet, but I'm not going around making rose in, rose in the ground, right? <laughs> Tama was, was digging roots in the ground. So what does that speak to us? Does it seem like you're in a giant root in your walk with the Lord? Are you in a root with your family? Discipling your family? With your study of the word, do you feel like you're in a rut? Like you're not getting the revelation that you think you need to? That you're not digging and mining it enough? This is a big one right here. Does it feel like you're in a rut and you're walking in such a way that you're not demonstrating all the things that the Lord has poured into you? All the, the time, all the countless hours of study and of discipleship that our pastors and our elders and, and our family, our church body, our brothers here have poured into us? Is it not coming out in your walk? Are you in a rut? It's a tough question to ask. We saw here the first thing that stopped them from getting into the place, the first rut that the, that the Israelites had to climb out of was what they could see. They were, they were blinded by what they can see. That's crazy, ain't it? But at the same time, in your life, some things that the Lord has has commanded you to do some things that he's spoken to you, some truths that he said to you. You've kind of been blinded by what you can see. Lord, it's too big. Lord, they, I, I'm, I'm in a giant rut. I can't see out of it. I, I can't do this. Do we find ourselves in that rut sometimes? Yeah. I, I say I have. I, I say I have. The major problem is that we don't see rightly. We don't have the, the, the proper perspective. Like the Israelites who encountered the giants, you only see the, the surmounted obstacles before you. You know, we, we heard also Monday night. Seemed like they, like they blotted out the sun. So maybe they could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with God because they blotted out the sun. We learned from Pastor Eric, it's not so much that they, they blotted out the sun, but compared to you, they covered the sun to you. In the same way, have your troubles, have, you, have your challenges this year, even now, even this year, about the past year, have they blotted out the sun to you? Have, have they stolen your hope and your joy and your confidence that the Lord said was already yours? That he already said was mine? That's a tough question to ask, right? How do we fix this, though? How do we fix this problem? We need right vision. 
We're going to start by looking at the sun. Talking about the son of man, not the son. Got you. Turn to Revelation 21. Say there when you're there. We need new vision, y'all. Vision for our families. Vision for our lives. Revelation 21, verse 23. They were like grasshoppers, right? Couldn't see. This is the promise. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the Lord, the God of glory, gives it light. And the lamb is his lamp. Who is his lamp? The lamb. The The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. It says the kings of the earth will bring... will bring their splendor into it. That's awesome. But you know what's better? Walking in the light. Walking in the light that that the Lord has provided to us when we look to him, when we look to his word to direct our paths, to direct our lives. But you know what can stop you from from doing that? Two things. You're looking at your problem and you're seeing, seeing it as bigger than the Lord or something that we're often uh, more akin to. We're busy looking down on ourselves, looking down at, at what I have, what I don't have, what I, what I can't do, what I need. All this has given us a, a, a jaded vision. And the one thing that the Lord is, is trying to get us to look out to, we can't because we're looking at ourselves. So when you're looking at, when, when the Israelites are looking at those giants, you know what they don't see? When, they, when they're looking at those giants and, and the, everything that will gobble them up, they don't see their children behind them. They don't see their future. They don't see the, the, the promise that God gave Abraham that he would bless all nations through his descendants. They don't see that. All they see is what's right before them. How about you? Do, do you only see your situation, where you are, your problems? How about the person that's looking to you to, to stand up and to implement this way of life that you've been given to be broken free from chains that, that bind. How about the, the, the Muslim who doesn't know that there's a God who loves him? How about those people who, who, who don't know about this gospel? Can you see them? We need right vision. Amen. You know, another thing that we run into, Lord, if I could see the chains, I would go after it. If I could see the things right in front, if I could see all the misery and all the pain in front of me, I would go after it. I guarantee you right now, if I grab Gabriel, Paul, if I grab Gabriel right now, if I went to the back and grabbed him and I, and I, and I, held, I held him here and I, I told him I wouldn't let him go. Is there anything that would stop you from getting to him? No, because you see it, right? Well, if somebody out there, it's David Wilkinson have, has, has, a, has a sermon, it's called a a cry without a voice. It's somebody out there who's looking for somebody to come and rescue them, who's crying, but they don't have a voice. And they need men of God, women of God, people who, who see as the Lord sees Amen. to come and break those chains. Do you want to break those chains? Yes. We got to see rightly. Amen. Turn to John chapter 4. We got to see rightly, y'all. John 4, verse 35. Say there when you're there. 
Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. What's that crop we talking about? It's not corn. It's souls. But do you see a ripe harvest out there in the Peru? A bit. And they got a harvest in Peru. Thus saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others who have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. What is it saying to us? What's it saying to you? The Lord's got to have harvested somewhere. But the crop is eternal life for them. Because somebody laid down their life for you to get to the point that you're at now. It started with Jesus Christ. It started with, with the prophets of old. Every, every blood shed since, every, since then. The, the, the underground churches in China being persecuted. The persecutions in Peru. Somebody has laid down their life. Somebody has labored and told in the kingdom for you to get where you're at. Yes. And more personally, men in, in, in this room have laid down their lives, have, have burnt everything, just like uh, Elisha. They had the 12 yokes, and they set it on fire because they heard a call from God. They heard a call from the man of God. And due to that reason, we're standing here. Amen. Now, what does, that, what, what does that require of us now? What do we have to do? Yeah. yeah. The Lord wants to give us vision to see the responsibility that we have here. Uh, it, it, it's often crazy to me um, when I look at how much we're being taught and how much we're learning. But then I think about the Christians all over the world. And my thought is, man, somebody is going after it and they don't have it's half of the, the teaching and the, you know, the biblical knowledge and, and the sound doctrine that we get. But they're going after it. They're seeing souls saved. What is, how much more do we have a responsibility to go after the church? How much more do we have to, to burn everything, to attach ourselves to the way of life that the Lord has provided, to attach ourselves to our rabbis? So we can go and get that fruit for the Lord. So we can go and, and reap that harvest that's eternal life for those who without hope. How much more do we owe that responsibility to the Lord and to our brothers and to ourselves? No excuses. But it's another thing you got to realize. You might see that the uh, Lord might be calling you to another country. He might be calling you to do something in your job that you've never been able to do. You, you might see that and, and wonder, man, that's, that's a high call. That's a, that's a lot of responsibility. I mean, it's Souls hanging in the balance right now. But the thing about it is, when the Lord gives a man a call, when he, when he shows you that responsibility, when he opens your eyes, he's already provided the tools. He don't send you to the harvest field without the tools to plow up the ground and do the work. So if we see the responsibility, if we see the field that we need to be working, and we've been given the tools, because trust me, we've been given the tools. This, this way of, of life, this, this discipleship this, that we're get, being given, we have the tools to do it. Yeah. It's on us. It's a choice. You got to make that choice tonight. Whether or not you're going you're gonna to see that responsibility and go after it. I'm trying to go after it. 
So what do you got to do? Look up. Second Peter one. Second Peter one, verse three. Say there when you're there. Talking about tools, right? We ain't just, just got tools. We got power. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Is that not the truth? Is that not the truth, church? Everything we need. We see the fields in front of us. We see the lost in front of us. Let's go after it. I look up. Me personally. I look up. This is what I see. I see Mandy, the the honey badger, Sheridan. (laughs) I see Ray, the mission commando, Ludvigson. Bringing the mission field to to Sugar Land, Texas. (laughs) I see an evangelist who's awakened the latent. Right? Right, Gabriel? This is what I see, church. We see men who are going to go into into the nation, to Egypt, and and to to save the lost. Provide that home for for the, the orphan. This is the call that the Lord has given us. But it's not about what I see. What do you see? What has God showed you about your life? What, what, what tools has he equipped you with? What responsibility has he put before you? Your family? The nations that you're raising up in your home? He's giving you the tools? He's giving you the ability? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? I want you all to say something. Because it's, it's something that we, that we need to, to grasp today. We don't have to walk out of here and not get this. I don't have to walk out of here and not get this and not just not get it, but have it show up in my life. Amen. We got something. Amen. Say this. We got something. We got something. Y'all got something to give. Yeah. We got something to give the world. Yeah. We got chains to break. Yeah. We got the tools to break those chains. Yeah. Yeah. We got something. We got something. <laughs> That's right, Cody. You got a bride to go get. <laughs> <laughs> 32 days. Let's see. It's another problem that we have. A bunch of problems. Thank God uh, the Lord's a problem solver. <laughs> the problem is that we're too alive. It's kind of strange, huh? It's like it's, it's in soul land. We're too alive. We're too alive to our, our own excuses. We're too alive to our own, uh, you know, our lack of vision. We can't see rightly. We don't think we have it when the Lord has already provided it. We're too alive. We got to die. Let's talk about those excuses. Look back in, uh, in, in, in Matthew. What did, what did the disciples say? He says, we have here, verse 17, I'm sorry. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. We only have, Lord. I just came from casting out demons and, and, and healing the sick guy, but I only got two loaves. Five loaves and two fish, right? You know what, uh, what would have uh, really hindered the disciples and hindered this moment uh, that was about to happen, that, that the Lord was about to reveal his, his wonders through? If they would have held on to their excuses. Lord, we only have. Okay, go sit them down. And what did he do? 
he got the bread from heaven and he gave it to his disciples. And they gave it to the people. But Lord, we only have. That's not what they did. He showed them what they had to implement and they did it. So I got a question. Do you hold on to your excuses? Squad. <laughs> Here's the excuse that the Israelites made. These guys are too big. They're too strong. The land is going to gobble us up. Yeah, I know we just came from part in the Red Sea. I know we saw you uh, give, us, give us water from the rock. I, I know we saw all these things. But um, they're just too big, Lord. I know you made the heavens and the earth and, and all that, but, Lord, they're they pretty big. Church, the longer that we're holding on to our excuses, which really mean nothing, they amount to nothing. Some of y'all been in PE, you might have heard that, that, that uh, poem about excuses that, that, that amount to nothing. Excuses amount to nothing. I'll tell you what they don't do. They don't get people saved. They don't get you out of your rut. They waste time from you bringing your family into the promised land. This is what excuses do. I'm not done with excuses yet. Talk about some excuses that we could have. Uh, these guys have talents I don't have. I know the Lord gave me everything I needed for life and godliness, but they just got talents I don't have, so I don't know if I could do that. Okay. These guys have strength I don't have. Man, I mean, I know they get up and they, they, they put the pants on the same way I put my pants on. I know they came from a woman just like I did. Uh, I know God saved them just like he saved me, and he filled us with the same Holy Spirit, but uh, I, I just don't have it. God, we only got five loaves and, and, and two fish. They come from a, from a powerful family line. Now, some of us can't say that, right? <laughs> some of us can't. <laughs> they, they come from a, a powerful family line. Generations upon generations, seven generations like our friend in India of, of, of Christians that have been doing this work. Yeah, when the Lord calls you, when, when he calls you, he gives you the ability. He gives you the responsibility, but he also gives you the ability. Do you believe that? Yes. Can we live like that? Yes. Are we going to live like that? Yes. Do we got something? We got something. Yeah, we got something. <laughs> Here's a, another one. It's, uh, it's poignant. Maybe, just maybe, we got a, just a, a plain lack of confidence. Mm. Yeah, that hurt. Maybe we just got a, a plain lack of confidence. I know one reason. We're not dead enough because a, a dead man don't make excuses. A dead man go, goes where he's carried. And if we're carried by the Holy Spirit, then <laughs> what, what, what am I worried about, right? Confidence. Let's talk about where we can find confidence. But the, the, the big answer is the word of God. We find confidence in the word of God. But right now, let's, let's, talk, about, let's talk about Ruth. Let's talk about Ruth. Let's talk about Ortha. Orpa. Let's talk about Orpa and Ruth. Now, we see two people, parallel paths, traveling the same path. Both got choices. When the going got hard, when the, the, the giants looked pretty big, we see one turn, tail, and run. Orpha. But we see with Ruth, Ruth listened 
to what Naomi instructed her with. He listened. I mean, she listened. She went where Naomi told her to go. She she told her what to say. And what happened? She was blessed by it, right? But how about us, though? When things get tough, when 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 the battles come, when when the waves come, when when you're getting hit with all these thoughts that are that are not God's thoughts, and you know, this person may offend you and that person may offend you, what what do you do? Do you turn tail? Do you recede? When when the it seems like the pace of the church is just the pace of the church is ramping and ramping and ramping, do you recede and kind of shrink back into the corner? It's almost like running like Orpah. What did Ruth do? She listened to the instructions given to her. And she went out and did it. And that put her in the line of Jesus Christ. That brought salvation to countless, countless numbers. So what do you have to do? You have to listen to the instructions, the way of life, the teachings that we're given, the things that you see. You have to go out and do them. You have to go out and implement them. Then you'll be bringing salvation to Peru, right, buddy? Amen. And some labors, that's right. <laughs> People who implement the way of life that the Lord has set before them are walking in authority. And with that authority, they find their confidence. If Jesus said that he's given us, he's given us authority, right? What right do we have to not have confidence? What right do I have? Not one. You gotta die. I'm reminded of the prophecy Nick gave us uh, at New Year's. Um, really struck a, a chord with me. Um, it's convicting. Let's go to Revelation three. Say so there when you are there. Go ahead and read the whole thing. Revelations 3, verse 17. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You can't see right. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So Lord is going to give us uh, sight to see, right? He's going to give us that, that gold refined in the fire, Father, that, that, that things that, that, that's precious, right? What does it say in 19? Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So it does no good to sit up here and and talk about the word if we're not living the word, if we're not striving for it, right? It's just empty words. That's not what I want. That's not what I want in my life, and that's not what I want in anybody's life that I know. Amen. So this is the path. This is how we get to that, that authority, that confidence that Christ has called us to. Amen. Jeremiah 15, verse 19. I want that gold refined in the fire. How about you? I do. Yes. Yes. How about that harvest, that eternal life? How about that? You want Amen. that? I want that. Some kids in Kenya that need that. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, 
not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to these people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue you and save you, declares the Lord. In Numbers 13, the Israelites ran into a wall that they could not pass. They ran into a rut they couldn't get out of. But the answer was always the same. The, the, the solution was always the same. It came with the word of the Lord and then putting into practice the words of the Lord. Amen. Same thing for us. The solution for us to be restored, to go out and, and snatch captives from the fierce, is grabbing onto this word and implementing the things that we're being taught, the, the, the things that the Spirit is showing us. And, I mean, it's pretty, pretty direct. Where does it start? What is the first thing uh, Jeremiah says here? Repent. Repent. We got to turn, church. We got to make that turn in our lives. We got to make that decision that we're going to get this right, that we're going to go after it. Will you make that decision tonight? Yes. Now, it does no good me, me, you telling me that if you're not going to do it. Will you make that decision tonight? Yes. Amen. When we make that decision, this is what happens. Luke 10, verse 18. Say there when you're there. I saw him fail. I saw him fall. So earlier we read in, uh, in, in Mark 6 about when uh, Jesus had sent out his disciples. And the Lord kind of sends us out every day, right? He sends us to the lost, our co-workers. <laughs> he sends us to some of our lost family. He sends us out, right? This is what happens when we are repenting, when we're turning to the Lord and putting into practice the words that he's given us, when we're implementing these things into our lives, when we're wrapping our hands with the word, when we're walking along the road and teaching our children the word like Deuteronomy 6, 4 says. This is what happens. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Amen. Nothing will harm you. How much of the power of the enemy? All. How much of the power of the enemy? All. This is the authority that the Lord has given us to trample on, on the snake and have all authority over him in our daily lives. Over him in our daily lives. What do we do? We put to death the sin in our lives first. Then we look to put, the de put to death sin in our brothers' lives and the lives of the people around us Amen. and see salvation come to the world. Amen. I want to see that authority in my life. Yes. Do you want to see that authority in your life? Yes. This is the confidence you have in walking with the Lord. This is the confidence you have in implementing the, the teachings and the words that he's given you. The disciples... They didn't just decide that, okay, I have authority. They didn't just grant themselves authority. We saw uh, later on in Acts what happened when some men granted themselves authority. They get ran out. The disciples derived their authority from the word of Christ, from the, from the authority that he had given. This is the same authority. This is the same weightiness that we're being bestowed upon by our pastors and our elders. We're giving words from heaven, sound teaching, sound doctrine, ways that we can apply it to our life. We're given that authority to 
to, to make change in the world. We're giving it authority to go out and, and, and set captives free, go out into the harvest field. But we have to implement the things we're being taught. Matthew 16, verse 19. Say, there when you're there. How many in this church have uh, received word of prophecy, uh, uh, understanding that, that didn't come before you were actually walking with the Lord and, and pressing in discipleship here? How, how many have received, received that? Revelation. Understanding. Prophecy. I'll be more hands in the room. I see you. <laughs> this is what happens when you receive that word from the Lord. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Who is he going to build his rock on church? The revelation. Who is he giving, giving revelation to? Peter. Yeah, he, he had to Peter, but who also is he giving it to you? Us. He's giving it to you, right? So that means he's building this church on you, right? And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Have we not been given the keys of the kingdom, church? What about the one that's standing on the outside that's knocking? That, 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 that doesn't know about this, this, this hope that we have. If you have the keys to the kingdom, you're not daily implementing this way of life. How will they know? How will they see you as different? How will, will, will those keys be used to, to open the door to salvation? We learned uh, in the clinch series, clinch turned them out on offensive, that some things, if you don't do them, they just won't get done. If you can see that responsibility to, to, the, to the loss, you can see that responsibility to your family, you can see the responsibility to all the, the people and the things that the Lord is calling you to do, and he's already given you the keys to the kingdom, what excuse do we have? No, we're putting the death our excuses. We're letting those die. Tonight, we're going to let those die, right? We're going to put them to death. Amen? So, the Lord is giving you vision. You can see rightly. And because you're, you're, you're implementing the things that he's put before you, you're implementing this way of life. What is your responsibility then? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as though one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and forever. So you have no more, more excuses. Those have been ripped from you. The Lord has given you salve to see as we walk in repentance. He's also given us confidence, church. He's given us confidence in his word, in the things that he said. So what do you do with that? Each one of you say, what was, what was our, our call? We got something, right? We got something, right? Each one of you 
has something to give. Amen. Each one of you has, has a gift bestowed by God to you and only you. We're, we're all pieces of the body put together beautifully. But a body that grows lazy and apathetic, it's worth nothing. You start to lose your muscle. With the gift that, every, that God has given every person in here, we have to use them. Not just use them, but we got to use them faithfully. Not for like a good week, you know, when I'm, I'm doing pretty good and I get lazy. No. Faithfully. This is the way that the kingdom is built. We've been given so much. We've been given so much. And we, we, we see here that the Israelites, us, our lives, we got, we got a sickness. We, we, we got a sickness. We couldn't see. The Lord healed that. We had excuses. He ripped those from us. And he gave us confidence. You know what the cure is in church? The cure is in faithfulness. Turn to Psalm 37. Verse 3. I'll wait. You know, you, you don't feel like you've been walking the way you should with the Lord. You don't feel like you're seeing as much of the kingdom as you should in your daily life. You're not seeing it break out. You don't, you don't feel it. You don't, you don't feel that, that power that he, he bestowed us with. You know what the cure is for that? It's faithfulness. Amen. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. What does it say first? Revelation 21, we said we're going to look to the sun, right? Yes. He's going to be our light. We don't need, we don't need the sun, S-U-N. We need the sun, S-O-N. Amen. This is your confidence. Do good with the gift that he's given you. We know the, the parables of the, the talents. When he gave one, when he gave five, when he gave ten. Each had a responsibility to work those talents. Each one of you have one of those talents. Each one of you have more than one of those talents. You have to work it. This enjoy safe pasture. If you look at this in the, in the word study, if you go in PC study Bible, like I know all of uh, Acts 1 and Acts 2, we're killing PC study Bible right now. If you go and look at the word study, that enjoy safe pasture actually says cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. Trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Amen. You want to see the kingdom break out in your life? You want to see souls brought to eternal life? We got to cultivate faithfulness. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? God been telling us that from the beginning. He's he, he been telling us that from, from the beginning. That he wants faithfulness cultivated on this earth. Amen. He wants his, his image of goodness, of compassion and love and righteousness and justice. He wants that produced on this earth. Right? That's what he said in Exodus 34, right? We've been given a lot. Yeah. But you know what? We got something. We got something. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do tonight, starting tonight. 
you're going to see your responsibility. You're going to see all those people that you've been looking past all this time because you've been looking up at your giants, you've been looking down at yourself and and what you have. You're going to see your responsibility. The Lord has given us that right to repent and get that right. You're going to let go of your excuses because they won't save you. They won't save your family. They will move you nowhere. You're going to be stuck in that same rut. But you got the right, you got the opportunity tonight to let go of those excuses. And this is what else you're going to do. This little cubby hole that we've, that we've put ourselves in, we've crawled down and gotten to the, the fetal position. Uh, we don't have the confidence to go out and do the thing that God has told us to do. We don't feel like we can go and witness. We don't feel like we can go out and, and evangelize. We're going to get up. We're going to walk out of that. It's like, a, it's like a, little, a little cage that the devil has been wooing you with, saying that, you know, it, you feel good here. It's, it, you're used to it here. It's comfortable. But the door is wide open. We're going to walk out of that cage tonight. We're going to grab confidence because we're grabbing on the, to the commands and the way of life that our pastors and our elders have given us. We're going to walk that out. We're going to implement it. And we're going to see the kingdom break out. Peyton, you come up here. Y'all turn to Genesis 2. Let me tell you something. Y'all there? I'm out. I don't want to distract you now. You have the right as a son of God. You have the right as a daughter of God to walk out of this, this room tonight the person that you need to be. Not the person that you are when you walked in. Lionheart, Lou Vixen. We got, the, we got the right to go out and be mighty kingdom warriors. But it starts with a choice. In Genesis 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. To what? Work it. It's almost like he had some faithfulness to cultivate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Work it. This is, this is the mandate from the Lord. Next verse. And the Lord has set you free. He, he commanded him. He didn't just say, yeah, you're free. He commanded him. You are free to eat of any tree in the garden. It's the next verse. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So we see here. In Genesis, all the way to Revelations. Revelation. Get it right. The Lord, he's given us a gift. He's given us freedom. And if, you, if you've ever been bound, you know how, how, how good it is to be free. He's given us freedom to take the way of life that he's given us, to take his word, to go out and to use that to give other people freedom. It's like it's supposed to be growing, like exponentially or something like that. You got the freedom tonight to let go of those excuses to, to take hold of the sight that the Lord has freely provided and see the kingdom break out. You got the freedom tonight if you ain't been getting it right this whole time. If you don't feel like, like 
You've been getting at, getting it at all. You literally can do it tonight, starting tonight. It starts with a decision. You got to make your mind up that you're going to do what the Lord has called you to do. That you're going to take hold of, of these commands, these laws and these statutes. And you're going to walk them out. And when you do that, we get to a place in Revelation where we don't even need the sun. We, we, don't, we don't need the sun because the Lord is our light. There's no more, no more crying, no more mourning, no more weeping. The Lord reigns forever. Y'all stand up. You got to remember something. When you leave here today, tonight, you go tomorrow and, and life smacks you in the face. You got a choice. You got a choice to implement this. You have a choice to walk out, 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 walk out of low living. Walk out of those ruts. And be the man that God called you to be. When he called Moses, he didn't let Moses stay where he was when he called him. And he won't do the same for you. He won't do that for you either. He's not going to leave you where you are. But he's giving you a choice. We got to cultivate faithfulness, church. Amen. Our pastors, this body, and our brothers has given us the tools we need. No one is holding us back. But where that starts, it starts with you stretching out in faith at this altar. It starts with you reaching out and taking hold of those commands. And you turn from here, you walk out of here, and you go out and do it. That's the good gift the Lord has given us.